hiatus. Like what, three weeks? Two weeks? Two weeks, yeah. Two weeks. This was a long hiatus, but necessary. Yeah, and also in all fairness, like, last Wednesday was New Year's, and the Wednesday before that was Christmas. So, everybody, go fuck yourselves. Hey, 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 hey. It's a new year. Our resolution is we're going to be more positive, open-minded, <laughs> and we're so much, we're so fun, you know. So actually, my resolution is to be more positive. I I feel like I'm going down a negative spiral in 2019, and I need to. It's hard, you pull know. Back. If you read the news, it's hard not to go into uh, a negative. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. That's, Neither do I. That's, that's why we read comic books. We bury our head in the sands like ostriches. Right. If you ever find this podcast after, like, the world has ended, like, Mm -hmm. just remember us fondly. I'd just like to know that this is out there in the universe somewhere so that after World War III, like, they'll be like, ah, somewhere in a dark, dingy apartment in San Francisco, two people talked about comics. Positivity 2020. (laughs) The end of the world and dingy apartments. Yes! It's going to be our year. Oh, I feel good about it. You know, this... Is actually, you know what? This is an improvement. This is right. <laughs> wow. You're glowing right now. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. You've attained a higher level. I am just <laughs> reaching New Year Nirvana. Ugh. We read a book. We did. Yeah. And you loved it because of how positive you feel about everything now. Right. No. <laughs> you yeah, loved you, it. You take your fucking just face. Say you just... loved it. We read a book, Uncle Scrooge, Only a Poor Old Man, by Carl Barks. Yep. The maestro. The master. The good duck artist. I feel like we should just leave it there and just be like, yeah, we read a book. That's what happened. And then just walk away because I truly have nothing else to say about this. That's not true. I mean, you always have something to say about something to say about something. No, Justin, my New Year's resolution is to be more positive, and so and obedient to your husband. Silent. Uh, no, I'm gonna keep that in. Yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> okay, you did not love this book. I hated. this You book. really hemmed and hawed and drug your feet and. This might be my uh, lowest rated book that we've ever read. Your least favorite. I have F minus. And we read a Superman book, so that's saying something. Yeah, but the Superman book that we happened to read was, like, at least interesting, and it had other layers aside from, like, this is, like, a one-note book. I I hated this so much. <laughs> like, I feel like for every bad thing you say about it, you should say two good things. No. <laughs> it's not even worth that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I know. I, I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Can you just summarize really quick? And first of all, just to like, um, just to preface before you summarize, like this book was actually, it's a, it's about 200 pages and it's, yeah, boy. Mm, I feel like I was sold a, a false bill of goods. I was told that all I had to do was read uncle Scrooge, only a poor old man, which is only about, uh, like the 30 pages. Probably a little less. Yeah. But the rest of the book is just fucking duck joke cartoon bullshit like that has nothing to do with anything they're like it's an anthology of scrooge cartoons and i feel like i was fucking duped and i am mad i loved it uh but, but, but <laughs> of course you fucking uh, the worst um Uncle Scrooge, only a poor old man. Uncle Scrooge is trying to sell Donald on the idea that wealth and comfort gives you security and peace of mind. All the while, he's like freaking out anxiously about protecting his money from everything from moths to, you know, like the Beagle Boys trying to steal it. Mm -hmm. And the Beagle Boys, which are Duckburg's resident criminals, they are trying, they're essentially building a building next to his money vault so that they can then tunnel in through the walls and filter out all his money and so and i'm just gonna stop you right there because what justin (laughs) has described is literally every fucking scrooge cartoon not true it is true not true i read seven versions of this story in this one trash book and it's basically just like the beagle boys want his money uncle scrooge like tries to protect his money the beagle boys get the money he gets the money back it's just like it's it that's it that is it. Archetypes, huh? Done. The Archetypes. End. Think about it. Uncle Scrooge is the miser. 
the old man, the father figure, the wise old man with a blind spot. You've got the Beagle Boys, the criminal element. They're always going to do the wrong. This is archetypes, Hannah. This is basic. I mean, basic... not really, because it's like the Beagle Boys don't have any personality. They're just, they're just there. They're scoundrels. Oh my god. They're... I love the Beagle Boys. There's so many, like, they're just so funny. They're I... not. Okay. I'm going to let your point stand. I'm not even going to address it because we just got to move through this summary. Okay, fine. Essentially, Scrooge tricks the Beagle Boys into moving his money out of the vault. So when they try to rob him, there's nothing there. He then hides his money in a reservoir, but then realizes that soggy bills are no good. And he hides his money in a reservoir. Uh, and then the Beagle Boys sort of, they realize, oh, no, his money's not there. And so one of them's like, well, I'm going to go fishing. And then he sees Uncle Scrooge, who is like playing with his money in this reservoir and so then the beagle boys essentially have a war on the dam that's holding all the water in place and so they blow up the dam all the money goes pouring down the river uncle scrooge is uh in despair he is only a poor old man with nothing left and it's then when he's at his lowest when his back is on the ground and he's looking up at the sky he's hit rock bottom he sort of digs deep pulls himself up and gets back to that old scrooge that earned every single cent of that gadzuntillion dollars that he owns. The fake number that Disney created for this. Yeah. That Carl Barks yeah, created for this. Disney owns the property, so. But Carl Barks was the okay, mastermind you know behind it. We'll get there. into that, but yeah. So essentially, I think if I can put words in your mouth, you would say that this is kind of a slapsticky, hokey, simple cartoon full of dumb gags about being a miser. Yeah. I think it's a little deeper than that. I think you really get to like there's a whole metaphor at the end where, you know, Don Donald at the end of all the thing when Uncle Scrooge has regained his wealth and is back on top, he's kind of like, oh, so wealth brings you peace of mind, hmm? And he kind of rolls his eyes because every other panel in this is, you know, Uncle Scrooge wringing his hands and worrying about like, oh my God, my money. Yeah, I mean, and that's the joke. That's like, it's basically like... He has so much money that he can't, and it's like, that's what brings him security, but he doesn't actually have that much security because he's constantly worried about losing his wealth. But that's the same gag that they use every single fucking time. It's just like, no, it's the same thing. There's so many other gags in this anthology, like in Back to the Klondike, mm. he won't spend, you know, 10 cents on an air, or he won't buy tickets to an airplane. They could fly to their destination, but instead they hike across the harsh Arctic terrain. And then it turns out, that, oh yeah, you bought this airline way back when. You guys could have ridden for free. It's like, the joke is not like... But it feels like the same joke every single time. Also, it's... this is like something we've talked about on the podcast before where it's like, this specific type of humor, I just fucking hate. I just don't like, like, slapstick, physicality, like, the same joke every single time. I, yeah, it's like Looney Tunes, like, that kind of shit. Is <clears throat> I look I don't like it I just don't like it I'm it, it doesn't feel like there's enough going on and it always feels like it ends up in the same way and it's just kind of like the joke is just how the characters move and how they react to certain situations which I can see would be funny like but I just am not into it and there's a comfort in that if you always know how someone's gonna react you know I guess there's... but then it's like but that doesn't make for a compelling story I think it does I mean if you look at sitcoms like, sitcoms, you always kind of know how characters are going to react. You can't tell me you don't get good stories out of sitcoms. I mean, I guess, but at the same time, it's like the situation always changes and there's always, like, an overarching plot. You know what I, I mean? I would argue like, that the same thing happens in this. It's like they, you know, they go to, like, the seven cities of Cibola. They have an underwater Atlantean journey. Uh, Uncle Scrooge meets up with a, a con artist who basically, 200 years ago, their ancestors had made a deal that Scrooge was supposed to transport horseradish across the Atlantic and so now he's got to complete the deal or lose it. I guess but it's like at the same time it's like I mean if we're arguing like sitcoms versus like sort of comic strip and like how I mean I do agree with you I've actually never thought about that and it's a really interesting point where it's like yeah they actually do have a really similar like format and formula but I think with sitcoms because they are so character driven like and not to say that comic strips aren't but like I think with sitcoms you get more of like the emotional connection between the characters rather than like what comic strips often rely on which is like oh it's funny because he fell down and hit his head and like that's the joke you know what i mean mm, yeah I, I i think i understand what you're saying but i would disagree in that i would say the reason you don't have an emotional reaction i can't tell you why you didn't have an emotional reaction Stop to this to tell me how i feel justin <laughs> okay i'm not trying to tell you how i feel <laughs> but um i would say that for whatever reason this book didn't resonate with you you didn't like it yeah. very much 
But for me, I had an emotional reaction to it. I actually found it really compelling. A lot of the stories, I really liked... I like Scrooge's grit and determination. I like that he knows how he earned every single cent of his ridiculous wealth. I mean... Well, and so that was actually... Sorry not to cut you off, but, like, that was... That's what I wanted this to be, and that's what I kind of thought it was going to be when you went into it. Because he sets that up where he's like, I know where I got every single dollar, and he kind of flashes back to being in, like, the gold rush. The Klondike, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like... And I'm like, yes, like, that's something that I'm very interested in. It's like, I was hoping that he was going to kind of take us back in flashbacks to tell us these kind of crazy stories about how he procured all of these different like gold pieces yeah i think that probably the packaging of this book is a little bit not misleading but you might assume that it's like a graphic novel that this is a continuous story that goes all the way through yeah and it is a fucking brick i could kill someone with that book yes like um or defend your wealth with it sure you you know sort of set up like a home alone style trap (laughs) and like drop it on someone i mean yes but, it, I mean, you have to remember this was written in the 50s, so it was it was a time when comic books were periodicals. They were shipped to newspapers. There were no comic shops. You couldn't get back issues. The only way comic books were passed on, they were either bought in a newsstand or a dime, you know, a drugstore. Mm-hmm. They were passed and sold and traded between kids. Um, parents threw them out. And yeah. once they, you know, they were seen as disposable trash. So it's like, there was really only, you had a few pages to tell a story. You might have a couple gag comics in there. And then it was next month, you had to kind of... It, it was very much like early television. Like, yeah. you couldn't catch reruns. It was just the episode. And if you missed it, you kind of missed it. And so, I mean, but that's, again, going back to sort of personal preference. And, like, one thing to note, too, is, like, all of the ratings for these books, these are totally just, like, my personal preference and, like, opinion. And it's, like, based on that, it's, just like, that style, like, that periodic, like, those kind of, like, mini comic strips. Like, I just... That is not for me. Yeah. I just like something that's way more long form. It tells like a whole narrative, like start to finish. I don't like these kind of bite-sized, like physical, like physical chunks. That I mean, that being said, like I do actually really want to talk about the art because the art is one of the things that I did actually really like in this book. Fantastic artist. I mean, there's a reason that he was known as quote the mm-hmm. du- the good duck artist. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, Walt Disney Comics. This was a licensed comic put out by Western Publishing. And they didn't put anybody's name on it except for Walt Disney. So at the t- like, you never saw who wrote it, who drew it, whatever. But Carl Barks is visually distinct enough, and his stories were interesting enough for most people that people could recognize his work, even though it had no credits. Mm-hmm. And they would seek him out, and they spent years, you know, calling, trying to figure out like who who's this artist, who like who did this, and like uh, Disney very much wanted to keep a lock on that, and sort of in terms of brand identity, wanted like. Walt Disney is the guy who, you know, he's the guy, Walt Disney. Right, yeah. And so for years, this guy went uncredited, which in a way, I think he actually kind of preferred that. I think he's the kind of guy who just wanted to sit at home alone and, like, draw these stories and send them out into the world. He's got a quote about how, like, you know, fame and fortune sort of have to be, you have to earn enough off of fame and fortune to offset the loss of your privacy yeah and he's like you know yeah someone yeah someone working in anonymous conditions can send things out into the world and not worry what the everyman thinks about it they but someone who's true yeah it's sort of like before in a time before social media when it's just like you could just send it out into the world and like kind of forget about it and then like yeah Uh, yeah. (laughs) sorry brief aside but i i saw some quote that like our generation was really lucky that we grew up on MySpace because we almost oh, got yeah. we almost got like a do-over where it's like it just died. Nobody digs up oh, old MySpace posts. Thank God. All the fucking time. Like I'm just like, oh God, my just like young high school Hannah just had so many cringy things to say about literally everything. I was just I was very much I was like I'm so dark and edgy and it's just like, oh no. Like <laughs> You are dark and edgy. Thank you. I, like I know. It. I really You know, maybe you had to go through that awkward adolescent phase to bring you there, but I know. I just wanted I was like it was almost it was like borderline emo, but I just couldn't commit. Oh, uh, couldn't yeah. I couldn't fully commit. Anyway, oh god. Uh, yeah. Back no. to the art. <laughs> what, what, what did you like about the art? What, what was it that spoke well, to you? I mean, one of the things that I was really excited about when we first picked up this book is just, like, I love Disney. I am a huge Disney nerd. I love Disney history. I just love Disney movies. Like, I 
I love it so much. And also, it was Christmas time when we were, like, kind of reading this, and I was like, oh, Scrooge, like, this is perfect, because obviously he's based on the Christmas Carol character, Ebenezer Scrooge. Yep. Um, and so I was really excited to pick this up. Unfortunately, yeah, I hated the plot, but the art is really great. Like, if you love classic Disney, it is very much, like, in that classic Disney style, obviously, because it was drawn and written in the 1950s during, like, the Disney Silver Age. Yeah, it's like, even though physicality is not my thing, I can still appreciate, like, when it's done well, and I felt like this was done really well. So it's like, even though I hated this, and it truly, truly was, like, one of the hardest things that I've had to read for this podcast, uh, I think I would give it, like, just a few points, just because I did really like the art so much. So, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Fair enough. I, yeah, I, re I like the art. I like it a lot. Um, I think that he has a way of moving you through his story. I think that he's sort of, he has a reputation as like a meticulous researcher constantly going through National Geographics to like give his like, his settings and authenticity, like people, like, cause these guys go all over the world. Well, especially in a time before the internet. Like, can you imagine, like, yeah. it's like, it's so easy now to go online and just like look up like oh, reference photo, you know, like, for this random pose that I want to draw. And it's, like, in... But, like, when he was drawing these, he probably had to get, like, a an actual human. Or he just has, like, a duck model that he's just, like... <laughs> well, he actually... Um, so he worked for Disney in the late 30s and 40s and up mm -hmm. until the 50s is when he started working on their comics. Do you know what else he worked on at Disney? Was it always just... So, okay. Um, he always wanted to be a cartoonist. He sort of moved through, like, various odd jobs. Yeah. And then he applied for a position at Disney, and they gave him a job as an animator, or as an in-betweener in the animation department, which essentially, like, the good, trusted animators draw the key poses, mm -hmm. and then the sort of newbies and schlubos, they kind of have to, like, grind Go it out in. with everything. You know, the, the 20... Uh, 20 frames in between, you know, they mm. have to just do that. So that's where the term in-betweener comes from. Okay. And then he essentially applied, he tried to move into the story department. So he sold Disney a gag about, um, it's about Donald Duck is like trying to get his nickel back. Yeah. Out of a, out of a haircut robot. Okay. And he ends up upside down and the robot starts giving him a haircut on his butt and shining <sighs> his beak for the shusha. And like... Yeah. Disney, Disney himself actually liked it enough that he said, let's move this guy over to the story department. And oh, so they cool. moved him over there, yeah. and he ended up working in the story department where he was known as a great gag man, uh -huh. which just turns your stomach. I know it, doesn't uh, it? <laughs> no, it's like, I get, look, here's the thing. I can appreciate it. I just don't like to have to sit down and watch it. If someone's like, hey, look at this like for like 20 minutes, I'm going to be like, please, God, no. But like, I can appreciate it if it's, there and I only have to consume it for like five seconds. Yeah, so he so he is very much in the classical. He is a Disney artist. Yeah. And then he ended up working on these stories and kind of he he's mentioned before that comic books are much easier than animation. You know, there's just a lot lot less tedium. Mm -hmm. So if you want to move this character to this point A to point B, you can in comics you can do that in two in as little as two panels. Right. He doesn't have to it, walk over. Right. Yeah. But in animation, so yeah, he talked about the freedom and the storytelling and so. I think his art really blossomed in this comic format, and yeah. I love it. I think he's got a great character design. I think that in comics, story and art are almost the same beast in a way. It's yeah, it's hard to, especially when you have one person working on the right. whole thing. So I, to me, like I like the way he tells his stories, and I think that the art is such an integral part of that. I think I love it. <laughs> I mean, did he invent Scrooge as a character? Yes. So okay. originally Disney wanted a... There was a Christmas issue that was coming out of Donald Duck. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, how do I do a Christmas story? How do I do a Christmas story? And then he's like, well, I'll go to the Christmas classic. Yeah. A Christmas Carol. Which is like, I just... I know that Christmas is over. But a Christmas Carol, it's not just like my favorite christmas story i think it's probably my favorite just story of all time yeah, and you don't have to feel shame about that because the lesson of that story is keep christmas in your heart year round <sighs> you are so annoying <laughs> <laughs> so he essentially um he creates this you know scrooge and then he sort of creates this character of the rich uncle because that's sort of a yeah. storytelling trope and so mm -hmm. um well he basically turns donald into nephew fred kind of but donald is more he's just when carl barks talks about donald he's yeah. just kind of he's an everyman you know he can be anything but he's kind of a dope 
he's kind of like you're supposed to have feelings of superiority over Donald because you'll uh. see him strutting around or talking a big game and you know he's kind of kind of get it. Yeah. You know he's gonna yeah. get it in the end and so like um, Donald is like, and he's known for his temper obviously yeah. so. Well, that's kind of like he's almost he has to be Mickey's almost like opposite because like Mickey can't be a dick. I mean, he was in like the he early. Was. He was cartoons. such a rowdy, well, that's the rough thing. and tumble. Yeah. yeah, like watching like the early Steamboat Willie cartoons is just like damn. Like Mickey's a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like if you like, but then it's like obviously you know in the later cartoons like when Mickey becomes like much more cheery and you know Ugh, Minnie enters the picture. Makes then me it's, sick. Well, it's like but then you have to have Donald who's kind of like fiery and like sort of angry all the time, especially because it's like. Uh, aside from him then you've just got goofy who's just kind of like for you <laughs> so it's funny you mentioned like the personalities because disney is sort of credited n- not disney the person but yeah. the disney studio is credited Royal disney. <laughs> as uh pioneer in personality animation if you think about a lot of the early animations they're mostly ink blots on the screen kind of move into music or kind of dancing through whatever and it's like it's really in the disney era that you start getting like personality like donald duck is always pissed off he's always a hot-headed you know guy yeah. you're gonna have goofy who's this sort of dopey blog you know mm-hmm. and so i just think that's kind of interesting i don't i could argue that you would actually see that with looney tunes though too yeah. so it's interesting that disney's thought of as the pioneer for that kind of like short form personality animation well i don't like, know when looney tunes actually started coming out i don't because disney has been in animation almost since the beginning you know I guess like yeah. the early early thirties and then yeah on well because Walt 19, Disney nineteen twenty eight for Steamboat Willie oh I actually don't know I'm ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure nice if you don't know Steamboat Willie is probably one of my favorite cartoons of all time really uh, Steamboat Willie is fine Mickey has never been my favorite I think he's kind of like just a character like. I think that I don't know. I like Donald Duck. Um, Scrooge McDuck is definitely pretty awesome. I I don't know. Do you like of? I would say like of the classic Disney characters, sort of like the Mickey and Friends, like the original, um, sort of Disney characters. Like, do you have a favorite? Out of just like Pluto, Minnie, Mickey. Yeah. So it's like I think they actually like um, it's the Sensational Six. Actually, can you name all six of them? Mickey, Minnie, Pluto, Goofy, Donald. It's not Scrooge, right? No, he's a li- yeah, because no. he doesn't come. You want me to tell you? Yeah, it's Daisy. Oh, Daisy Duck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of weird, you know, tangential characters related to, mm-hmm. you know, Mickey actually had three nephews originally too, just like Donald. Oh, really? Yeah. Now he only has two. So I didn't even know he had two nephews. I don't what know. What happened to that third <laughs> justice for the third mouse? Like we want to know, but where did you? Where's the body, Disney? Where's? Yeah, I I don't know. I've never. I'm actually glad that that's not a thing because I I don't love Huey, Dewey, and Louie. They're not my favorite. I don't like that little weird um, uh, comedic effect that they do where they have them speak one word of a sentence each. It makes me want to just slam my face into a desk over and over like reading that in this book i was just like any scene with huey dewey and Louie, i was like i'm out i'm fucking out i don't want to read this so carl barks was originally has it resistant to the idea of the nephews too he's like great more kids to draw nice him and, and i would yeah. be we'd be fast friends but then he's like <laughs> he ends up he's like ah oh, they were okay like they're fine um he he likes them because they give they give kids a sense of superiority over Donald, you know, because they are often rescuing Donald right. from outland. Donald's temper or brashness will get him into a situation, and the kids are the ones that rescue him. And or so. in this case, they're the kids and Donald are actually always rescuing Scrooge. Yeah. Or at least, like, assisting in some way. Yeah, helping him, getting paid, like, 20 cents an hour, and then he tries to right. welch on it. Oh, my God. All right, well, so who would be your favorite, then, of the Sensational Six? And we'll also include Scrooge, because we did just read the book about okay. him. Okay, um... I'm going to say, oh man, it's a tough one. Because early Mickey's so such a strong contender. Mm-hmm. Donald Duck is just hilarious. Sure. <laughs> it, like, it just Says like, some, not all. I'm going to go with early Mickey as my favorite. As your favorite? Okay. Yeah. F- close second, Donald Duck, and then Scrooge is a third. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. What about you? Um, I'm definitely going to have to go with Goofy. Oh, but Goofy. just because modern Goofy I love so much. Yeah. A Goofy movie, <laughs> an extreme Goofy movie, like, and also, yeah, Max was definitely, like, my first crush, 
Like, okay. which, yes, is problematic. He is a dog, but whatever. Like, that's and fine. Also, it raises some questions like, who fucked Goofy? Oh, God. <laughs> like, I'm assuming another dog character then, in the Goofy universe. Sure, but then it's like, does does she have some tragic end? Like, is it like actually like a really heart wrenching story where she like died in childbirth? Or did I mean, she maybe because they did, never bring it up? They yeah, never talk about it. Yeah, Goofy is a single dad, and I know, uh, and he's a pretty good dad. He's a great dad. Um, I he's love a great Goofy. dad, yeah. Justin. Goofy movie. Oh my god, the is... perfect cast. Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> I just love that so much. Oh my god. Um, but also one thing too that's a shame that we can't actually add into that is like an overlooked uh disney duck character Darkwing duck you know which i always loved i think visually i loved him but i've tried to go back and watch those cartoons i've even tried to read a few of the comic tie-ins and it's just really do you actually know where does Darkwing duck actually fit into the duck universe like is he is he related to Scrooge and Donald, or is he just like a duck living? I think his that Ducktales du- was a big hit, and mm-hmm. then they were like, "Well, let's like let's move d- it let's, along. Let's do some more." And I think he's very clearly a shadow slash Batman analog. Mm-hmm. He's you know he is Lamont Cranston essentially. His name might even be. Like I think a, it is Lamont, right, or something. Well, like Lamont that. Cranston is the shadow, who's that old yeah, yeah, character. Yeah. Like, and I mean, visually, they're exactly the same. No, I know, but isn't Darkwing Duck like his actual? No, we could just get into this we for could, like hours. Yeah. Let's not. I actually want to go back a little bit because now i feel like we've sort of dipped into like it's too late disney 90s territory and i want to focus more on sort of like classic disney and the silver age of disney which is actually when this was written so this um uncle scrooge only a poor old man was actually written in 1952 which is a fascinating time in disney history and i really want to talk about it i mean i don't know i don't know a ton so i'm not coming at this as like a disney expert but what i do know is really interesting where it's like um i'm especially interested to hear like you know, what you know about Carl Barks's experience working at Disney, there's a lot of different accounts of, like, what it was like to work at the Disney company. I think it's sort of infamous for being, like, bad to its animators. But then it's, like, when I was actually, like, researching this podcast and just, like, looking into, like, the stuff on, like, classic Disney Silver Age, um, you know, like, what it was like to work there, it was, like, I only found positive things aside from, like, the animators' strike that happened in the 40s. It's hard. It's so difficult because you kind of have to separate what Disney is now, which is this monolithic sort of quote unquote evil empire with its fingers in every pie. Yeah. And then what it actually was historically, it's hard to say because Disney's PR is so good that it's like, are we only seeing good stuff because they're notoriously litigious or are we seeing good stuff because they actually were a good place to work? And that's a difficult question to answer. Well, I think it's also, like, I don't think it's one or the other, really. Like, I'm sure, because it's, like, I've listened um, to, like, different podcasts and just, like, read different things from, like, animators who actually worked there about how, like, the working hours were insane and, like, the conditions that they worked in were, like, not awesome. And, like, it was a kind of, it went through these, like, phases of, like, wealth and then, like, being extremely, like, broke and only a poor old man and so and i think but then at the same time it's like you also get these stories about how like walt disney was like the studio father and like he you know allowed people to explore their creativity and like i know that even at my work like whenever we are doing project planning we actually use like what is known as the walt disney method which is kind of insane that it's like um, you know, like large tech corporations are actually using like this method that he pioneered. So it's just like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I think it kind of goes like either way. Like, so what little I know about Disney um, is that I remember reading the comic book history of comic books mm-hmm. and he's got a, a part in that because animation and comics are so closely linked. Well, especially during the time period that he first got started where so much of that I think is like the same. Right. And so the way he's portrayed in the book is not flattering. He's a megalomaniac who, like, he would pace the studio at night going over the animator's work, and, you know, they'd come in the next morning and find, like, if you found a bunch of cigarette butts by your your work, you knew you'd fucked up. Yeah. And it was just because he'd been sitting there just chain-smoking and, like, glaring at your pages, kind of. Mm -hmm. And so that's not a flattering portrait. Carl Barks only seems to have good things to say about him. He was sort of a kindly comedian. Yeah. He was, um, you know, he was funny. He could help you with your gags. 
he he's responsible for moving Karl Barks from the in-betweener role to right. the story guy. So, like, and I think to some people he was probably a terror, and to others, a kindly, fatherly mentor. Yeah, which I guess is, like, that's just, like, anybody. You know, no one is, like... Pure evil. No one pure. is pure evil or pure good. Yeah, exactly. Karl Barks recalls in the 30s and 40s, you know, we're coming off the Depression. Yeah. And so he's making $22 an hour and then later twenty-two fifty, which at the time was a uh, considered a pretty good rate. I feel like now that's still, like, a fairly good... <laughs> I, I like... wish I made $22. <laughs> like... <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Oh, I'm sorry. Like... $22 a week. Oh, take it yes. back. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like damn. I was like... I was like <laughs> No, it, like, that actually really shocked me because I was, like, uh, for the time, I was, like, that's yeah. fucking great. Yeah. Like, for the 19th, like, in the middle of a fucking depression. Okay, anyway. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. It was $22 <laughs> a week and then twenty two fifty a week later. Wow, okay. Um, but then he also paid, like, if he bought a gag off you, he paid you 50 bucks. See, uh, that's, like, and that's, that's kind of, like, the shit that I like to hear where it's, like, I don't know. I believe so much, like, it's, like, as long as you're fair then you can be an asshole. You know what I mean? It's like, just be, I don't know. As long know. as you're an asshole to everybody. As long as you're an asshole to everybody. Yeah, exactly. But as long as you're a fair asshole. But anyway. Okay, so now we're sort of in the classic Disney 50s and 60s. Which isn't my favorite age of Disney, to be totally honest. I don't. But they did have a bunch of hits. They right? did. Also, the 50s was when Disneyland first was open to the public. And famously, like, their first, like, horrific opening day. Like, they basically padded the crowds by, like, giving out, like, counterfeit tickets and, like, the park wasn't ready to be opened. It was, it's, it is historically, like, a fucking disaster. But, I mean, it's fine now. It all worked out. And also, nothing of that scale had ever been created. Right. Before. Like, okay, so now we're in classic Disney. Which era. is, like, and the films that kind of came out would have been Cinderella, Peter Pan, um, Sleeping Beauty, sort of at the tail end of that. Um, what else? Lady and the Tramp. Um, the Jungle Book, Alice in Wonderland. So it's like some classic and super iconic like Disney movies. Definitely not my favorite. No, your favorite is Hunchback in Notre Dame. It is. Thank you for remembering that. Which, Boo! No, but <laughs> actually, let's just take a minute to talk about that because Hunchback of Notre Dame is one of the most underrated but fucking phenomenal Disney movies that has ever been created the music is amazing the story the animation just like the opening sequence alone stop listening to this podcast right now and go google hunchback of notre dame opening sequence it's fucking phenomenal and i guarantee that if you haven't watched this movie since you're a child you're gonna watch it now as an adult and be fucking blown away and be like how is this movie not more widely recognized as a fucking masterpiece anyway the masterpiece, end Hannah. i'm out masterpiece? done I mean, you stack it up against something like Disney's Tarzan, and it hardly holds. Are you up. fucking? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what it's like. This is like this is spousal abuse. You're just fucking needling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your needle fucking face. God. Anyway, I don't know what. What's your favorite Disney movie again? I don't know. I just don't even listen to anything you say anymore. <laughs> A goofy movie, uh, obviously. Is it really? Yeah. No, it. it's not. It is too. Okay, here. This is actually this Peter is Pan way, is a strong contender. You change your answer every time we talk about this because yeah. the last time we talked, it was Beauty and the Beast. Oh, actually, it might be Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast is a great movie. It's a fun. I mean, Gaston makes that thing. It doesn't work without Gaston. But were you really gonna go with a goofy movie? It's a great movie, and you kind of reminded me about it. It is a great so, movie. It's that's the thing is like there's been so many Disney movies that like. You almost forget about some of them just through, you know. Well, it's also crazy, too, when, um, cause, so I consider myself, like, a Disney fan, but um, if you run into people who are actually Disney fans, I feel like it goes into this wormhole that, like, you're never like ready it. for. I don't no, like No, because it. it's like, you're like, oh, what's your favorite Disney movie? And they're like, okay, well, do you mean, like, animated or, like, live action or, like, Pixar? Or, like, what are you talking about here? And I'm like, I just wanted to know, like, animated, just yeah. classic, like... Yeah, so at least we're not going to that level, but... Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say three-way tie between Peter Pan, a goofy movie, and Beauty and the Beast. Those are vastly different movies, and I hate all of that, except, like... A goofy movie? No, I love a goofy yeah, movie. Yeah, don't tell me you hate I a goofy movie. I love, actually, truly oh, the only... Max. Part... Kiss me, Max. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, look... <laughs> I was a young child. My other crushes at the time also included a kid in, from the kid in King Arthur's Court and um, plot twist and also very confusing for young Hannah, but Jessica Rabbit from um, <laughs> from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Fair enough. But those yeah. are my like top three. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. look, 
It's just very beautiful. She yeah. wears a sparkly dress. I don't know. Anyway, moving right. on. I'm um, going to drop one more penny in Disney's Karma Bank before I before we move on here. Okay. But like, so Carl Barks is retired in the 60s, 70s. Yeah. And he essentially, like, people discover who he is. Um, they write him fan letters, and there's a demand for his work. So he, a friend sort of talks to him, talks him into creating oil paintings of the duck characters. And so he starts selling, he starts getting commissions to sell these oil paintings of his, you know, iconic duck work. Mm -hmm. And he has more commissions than he can possibly do. So then another friend is like, hey, you should auction these off because that way you're only doing a couple and you're no jacking the price up. I don't think his friend was that cynical. But When was this? What time? Like what time? This would have been 60s, 70s. Okay. Um, And so he ends up auctioning off early pieces. So he gets a royalty-free license from Disney. They grant him the rights to just, like, make these paintings and sell his Disney works without Mm -hmm. having to pay anything to Disney. I think because they liked and respected him so much. Mm -hmm. So that's actually kind of cool of Disney. Yeah. Because they are notoriously, like... Very controlling about their... They clamp down, yeah. Yeah, what's created in the animation. Um, I think, but based on his work, they're not going to be like, well, he's not going to draw, like, anything out of bounds you know yeah, so like yeah. so i think they trusted him and they'd worked with him long enough and they allowed him to create this work yeah and it only got fucked up because some fans started creating uh prints of these paintings oh. and selling them for profit at little conventions mm. and so disney had to take away that license because they didn't want you know this work just how much control do you think disney actually has like over their um sort of like their brand and their properties Mm, a ton i mean they've got like an army of lawyers i think nowadays they've kind of like they've kind of cooled off the like clamping down on convention sales because it's like in all honesty so much of it is fan art too you can't right and the thing is it's like theoretically they could come down on every artist who's in artist alley selling you know portraits of donald mashups of like yeah donald Uh, duck but as loki which i've definitely seen yeah, I've seen yeah. that. Yeah. So, okay. Anyways, they could come down on any of those people. And now that they own all the Marvel characters and all the Star Wars characters, right. like they could destroy the convention scene as we know it. Yeah. But it's great marketing for that. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. just getting this IP out into the world. It's great marketing. So they're never going to clamp down on it because I think back when this fan was creating unlicensed prints, this was sort of a new phenomenon. So they were like, no, God, no, he can't do that. And now it's like, it's so big. And yeah. accepted that to come down on it would make you seem like a massive asshole. I, and that's, so, I'm curious to know how, like, how you feel about this. And I, I think that I probably already know your answer just because I don't think that you're a huge Disney purist. But, like, how do you feel about the fact that now Disney is, like, all these things where it's, like, it's not just, like, the classic animated fairy tales. It's not just the parks. It's, like, Marvel. It's Star Wars. I mean, they own ABC. Like, it's just, like, there's so much more shit that we don't realize is, like, owned by Disney. I don't like it. Um, at you the don't same, like it? No, I don't like it. Okay. At the same time, I'm not prepared to do anything about it. I'm not going to take... <laughs> take to the like, streets and picket Disney? <laughs> I sort of have an informal Marvel boycott mm-hmm. in terms of the comics, just because... That's not even Disney's. I was fault. gonna say, I was like, yeah. Disney's not even. Are they? Do they even own the comic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They own, they the own everything thing? Marvel. They own wow. everything Marvel. There was a big fear that they were gonna drive Marvel into the ground and destroy it, and I think they were pretty hands off. Yeah. But um, I just think that Marvel, as a comics company now, is like once you've read enough Marvel comics, you realize how cyclical. You know, yeah. you're gonna watch. I think Aunt May has died like four times in the comics. I Which think. again, and we talked about this at length multiple times on the podcast, is my biggest issue with comics yeah i mean i think the only person who's legitimately stayed dead in comics is uncle ben good and good whoa i'm glad he's dead i'm glad he's never coming i mean i'm glad he stayed dead but um no fuck uncle ben yeah yeah. stay dead so um but so like i don't know i just don't i don't like the movies i like the last couple but also like watching the trailer for the new um black widow one and seeing their like the the TV show, the streaming only TV shows that they're going to do with Marvel, I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't care. Like, I mean, let, well, like, in the last podcast I sort of mentioned, I am kind of glad that she is getting her due. I do feel like it is a little, like, too little too late. I think she would have been, they should have put that way oh, earlier. Totally, like, she, yeah. I'm envisioning for a Black Widow movie, uh, um, like, a standalone spy thriller that has, like, almost no connection 
to the Marvel Universe, but I know that's not what they're going to well, do. Well, I don't know. Well, that's kind of what they're marketing it as. Like, the trailer makes it definitely seem as if it's just going to be that. Yeah, but I know there's going to be some connection. It's just like, I might just like to see, like, a James Bondy type. Oh, that would yeah. be awesome. But I wish that they had done that earlier. Actually, I, I did, mean, I do think that they're, like, the title or the sequence where it's like they sort of oh, zoom yeah, in and yeah, like, yeah. it is just, very that's a very James Bondy and it's really cool I I don't know I'm cautiously optimistic about I'm gonna it. go see it but I mean the Disneyfication of Marvel I can't really comment too much on just because I didn't know any other Marvel before Disney acquired it yeah you know what I mean it was perfect back then oh okay and yeah. did, <laughs> it was it your definitely neck beard like, is showing your full yeah. neck beard <laughs> bushy and luxurious <laughs> yeah. that's the sound of me scratching it so this whole idea of Disney owning everything in the world uh, it kind of ties very neatly into our beyond the panel so actually this week we have the same beyond the panel just because we gotta talk about this. Yeah, and a also, lot of a lot of differences of opinion. Yeah, and also it's one of those things too where it's like we're gonna have some people who are be like, "This is a comic books. It's the comics, comics to comics." And it's like, what I have to say to you is, go fuck yourself. What Second, I have to say to you is, we watched the new Star Wars movie, <laughs> and there's been enough comic tie-ins. Star Wars has been associated with comics and geekdom for long enough that it counts. Also, it's like this whole podcast is basically about Disney. Disney owns Star Wars. We're going to talk about Star Wars. Again, go fuck yourself. We're talking about it. I want to make a distinction. This whole podcast is about a husband and wife who read comics together and discuss <laughs> comics. This particular episode I is mean, very Disney heavy. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it's like, it's like, it's not necessarily that we read comics together. It's that every week you hand me a comic that I then have to fucking... Oh, have to? Yes. Oh, have to? You have yeah, to do it? I have to You're do it. You're it? I twist your arm and make you do it? Yes, Justin, because I, I care someone, about the podcast. I remember someone <laughs> eagerly turning the pages <laughs> of the comic we're going to read next week. Oh, yeah. So. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, it's, it's good. Fine. Anyway, moving on. Okay, so we saw Star Wars. What is the uh, the last Skywalker? The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. That's my review of it, by the way. Well, what would you give it out of five stars? Five, Zero. Justin. Really? None. Really? Yeah. It's weird, because that was my gut reaction walking out of there. Yeah. But I watched the whole movie, whereas, like, the last movie I walked out of. So I was going to say, I was like, but what would you give the last movie? The last the, movie? The, what was it, Last Jedi? I'll give it one star. Which is crazy. We walked out of that movie. Yeah. And we sat through this entire but, movie. Okay, I feel like the director, Ryan Johnson, gets a lot of shit, because it was like, he so radically departed it from what... It was terrible. Yeah, it was awful. But at least he kind of tried something. What? Whereas, like... I felt like this whole movie was them course correcting the last movie, so it was like which they wouldn't have had to do if he didn't make such a fucking shitty movie. Okay, but you're like they know what kind of director he is. They've seen his work, and it's like Disney, like they let J.J. Abrams run wild and do his thing for the first movie, and J.J. Abrams is famous for like he'll introduce a bunch of concepts and then he'll bounce, raise parentage, all you know, like new characters who are potentially force sensitive, blah blah blah. And then he just bounces and trusts other people to carry that. Well because it's like it, because Star Wars is part of like the Disney Corporation, I think that he thought that they would have had tighter control over like the plot narrative that he had laid out. Right. But so it's like the reason this movie gets no stars even though I walked out of the last movie and I technically rated that movie higher i was gonna say i was like this makes no it makes sense. no sense <laughs> but it makes no sense to rate it out of five stars you gotta rate it out of four anyway <laughs> okay I... no look okay oh. we're getting lost in the weeds here basically at least ryan johnson gets this is his x factor he gets one point for trying <laughs> something even though i didn't personally think it worked and then this movie just felt like such a corporate like like, oh, God, we've got to fix it so that no one's mad at us and still somehow jam the movie that J.J. Abrams wanted to make into it. And it just felt so bloated and, like, such a cynical cash grab that I was like, this is awful. This is... So I do agree with you there. Yes, it did feel like we were watching an algorithm. But what I will say is that I think... I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of biased because it gave me everything that I wanted. It gave me, like, the cool lightsaber fights. It gave me way more Rey. It gave me way more Kylo Ren. And I'm about to say something. I don't want to hear it from anyone. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. We're all spoilers. There's all spoilers. If you guys don't want to know. Okay. I just wanted to see two hours of Rey and Kylo Ren, like, just talking and then some making out. Like, that's all I wanted. And that is exactly what I got. Uh, no, look. 
Look, I know that there are haters out there who, like, do not ship this couple. I do not give a fuck. That is the only thing that is bringing me back to watch these Star Wars movies. There's also... That is it. There's like, also a lot of haters out there who think that Adam Driver is a wet-eyed, dog-faced little boy. <laughs> Look, I just love a man with a big nose, okay? I just, just can't like, help it. I just, like... <laughs> I just... I can't stand that guy. It, I don't like, know. I don't know. I mean, I do think that he will be... Um, this decade, sort of Michael Sarah, where like we look back now and we're like, why did we like that guy? Why is he in everything? Yeah, it's like, why were so many women so sexually attracted to him? And like, I think that Adam Driver will have the same sort of historical. We'll look back and be like, I don't understand what was going on, but at the time, I very much wanted to watch that. The Kylo Ren like redemption arc, um, the where he sacrifices himself, like, he gives himself up for... I just, like, yes, that is what I wanted. There is that's no redeeming him. He's a genocidal maniac. Exactly, like, but that's why he had to die. Also, yeah, he had to die. Also, one other thing that I fucking loved about this movie, limited time with Rosie, who is the oh, worst character Rose after... Rose the... Yes. Yeah. She's the worst character after Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks and Rosie, two of the worst characters in the fucking Star Wars universe. I'm glad you softened it, because you originally called her the Jar Jar Binks <laughs> of these movies, and I was like, that's too far. That's I mean, not right. is it? Because I feel it's... like of this trilogy, yes, yeah, she is the Jar Jar Binks of this trilogy. Okay, we didn't even talk about what is your rating out of five? What do you give this? Because you're saying you loved it, but I quantify didn't, okay, it. Okay, yeah, if out of, out of five, out of five, I would say I would probably give it... A 3.5 or a 4. So okay. it's like, it was good, but okay, again, I've got to go, I've got to like take a few steps back here and say that I would definitely take off points for like s these massive plot holes. Okay, like when Finn and like that other Stormtrooper lady are like walking in space, apparently space is no oh. longer a problem. Well, but, yeah, the, the Millennium Falcon oh, is like... Oh, they just jump on? Like, they jump like, what the fuck? on the top yeah. of it and they're just like running up to a yeah, hatch yeah, yeah. as it's flying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I also wanted Chewie to be dead. Like, I just, like, I feel commit like... Commit to the bit. Yeah, it's like, just commit. Like, and also, it's like, that would have made... I feel like that, her thinking that she had killed him, I think would have just made, like, the plot so much richer and so much more complex in that she's, like, dealing with this now, where it's like... And also, it's it's another thing, too, where it's like, it adds to her hatred of Kylo Ren, and then also oh. makes it an even bigger deal when she like, works with him to sort of take down Emperor Palpatine. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, that would have just made it so much more complex, and I just feel like the fact that, like, JK, he's dead, huh? or he's alive, ah, it's like, ah. The idea that he, that he was on a second transport that was never seen, the whole staging of everything leading up to that was like, yeah. what possible ship, we saw him get onto the ship that she blew up. It's like, it, it didn't it didn't jive with me. Well, okay, and I but I also feel like our two reviews are, like, fairly consistent, I think, with how most people are feeling, in the sense that what I've heard... Just, like, online and just, like, from people who I know who've seen it, it seems like the people who love Star Wars and who Star Wars is, like, a thing for them or or even just, like, Star Wars is great. Like, I think that they dislike the movie, whereas, like, for me, like, someone who's like, I don't really like Star Wars. Star Wars is not my jam. Like, I'm, I actually really like this. So, it's, like, I think it just serves two different audiences. Where it's, like, I think that they were trying to hit like, for the lowest common denominator while also, like, tying it up in a bow for the people who do like Star Wars. Yeah, I just... I couldn't make myself care the whole movie. I was just yeah. like, I was like, my head was rolling back. I was just like, oh God, we're going to see this. And like, and then like. That's they, so weird because I feel like yeah. normally like I can tell your vibe, like when we're watching a movie together, like I can tell if you're into it and I didn't get the sense that you hated it. Well, you you did laugh at one point. You do this thing where you fucking laugh at the most inappropriate and emotional moments. And I think it's because you're uncomfortable. Like, I think that we'll be watching an emotional movie moment and you'll start laughing. And I think it's because you're uncomfortable. But it takes away from the enjoyment of others who are having an emotional connection no, with that scene. to me, scene. I laugh because it's like, I can see that they're trying to, like, pull your heartstrings. And it's like, you guys are falling so flat. No, like, it's because I think your heartstrings are being pulled and I like, think you're uncomfortable I, by it. I think you don't like being manipulated and so you laugh out of no, discomfort. No, like, when, okay, Leia dies, which she should have just died in the last movie because but the problem the is it's like that would have been just too i mean yes but i just i cannot believe you even gave the last movie a star when they pulled that bullshit of she gets shot into space and then <laughs> mary she, poppins are way I to, like, fucking yeah i but okay you know so what? we're not even no yeah <laughs> i just I'll, my last point about star wars is like they just ripped off the ending of endgame like that thing where like oh, all hope yeah. is lost and then every hero shows up to fight the bad guy and destroy the evil fleet but they did that with ships. It was just like, 
It was like, oh no, it's all over. It's the but end. And then, boom, 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 boom. They didn't rip off Marvels, though. Like, Marvels was using a really common um, movie device that they've used that in every franchise Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Like, that is what people want. When you come to the, like, final conclusion of a franchise, like, you want to see everybody. Like, they did, they've, that is not unique to Marvels, and that's not unique to Star Wars. Like, that is something like that has been used in every major franchise. I just thought it was lazy. I just <laughs> thought the whole thing was lazy. No, it's like, I like that. I mean, it's like, I can see something as a device and still enjoy it. Like, and that, like, the, the heroes all coming together at the end is probably one of my favorite, like, movie devices. But, like, it also just makes sense where it's like it's a satisfying conclusion and I don't think anyone's mad about it except for you. I'm not <laughs> mad about it. I'm not mad about it. Like the movie like I just couldn't have cared less. That's yeah. why I get zero stars. I felt like it was really shallow and cynical and I do feel as though the quote unquote emotional moments I wasn't uncomfortable. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, really? Really?" Like when they all land, Leia's just died and they all land and everyone's like weeping and just like sat and they're like, we've got to find the general. And it was like, okay. Like, Look, like you, know you didn't what? pick up on the fact that everybody like, uh, like there's something you need to know. Uh, uh, yes, it's it's like, I was just moment. like, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. But when you laugh, it ruins the emotional like peak that everyone else in the theater is feeling. I'm going to say. You're that dick who uh, laughs at those moments and everyone's like, I'm trying to have an emotional experience right now. Like that is the I'm point gonna, of movies. I'm going to sit like two rows up from you in the next movie. Oh, we see. no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yeah. So that's been Comic Bay. Uh, next week, we're reading Preacher. Right. So if you want to follow along, pick up volume one at your local comic shop or the nearest library. Yeah. Guaranteed that they probably have it because it's pretty old. It's a perennial bestseller. It's a classic. Yeah. It's also something that I don't think you could get away with writing or drawing today. So Really? I'm about halfway through. I'm really curious to see what you're talking about. All right. If you guys want to tweet us, you can follow us at at Comic Bay Podcast on the Twitters. All right, guys. We'll see you next Wednesday. And yeah, goodbye. Sign out.